0: What was appealing in the beginning is I was coming from software with that lean and mean idea of like small team, big margins. And when we were talking about Kitcaster or what would become Kitcaster, it became apparent very early on that the way you scale this business is with butts and seats.
1: And we wanted to make sure that we were being very thoughtful in not only our approach internally but externally. How are we presenting ourselves? And people are able to work efficiently and effectively and also figuring out you know the best way to connect with with podcast hosts. I'm Brandi Whalen.
0: I'm Ryan Estes.
1: And we are the founders of KitCaster, a podcast booking agency.
2: This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Lappart. And today, how Brandy and Ryan set out to take on the world of podcasting and get you booked on top podcasts. All this and more on Code Story. Brandy Whalen and Ryan Estes are two different kinds of folks joined together in a unified mission. If you look up Denver guy in the dictionary, you will see a picture of Ryan in a flannel shirt with a dog, a truck, and speeding off to hit up his fishing spot. He's a family guy, trains in martial arts, and previously owned an agency. Brandy is not a Denver native. In fact, she grew up in Iowa on a turkey farm with 30,000 turkeys, wow. She's married with three boys and likes to get in the mountains to hike or snowboard during the right seasons. In their prior roles, Brandy had pitched a client to Ryan for his podcast. As Ryan describes it, she's a great networker and instigator. When they both had the itch to do a new project, they looked to podcasting. After some initial validation, they confirmed that they had stumbled upon a need. This is the creation story of Kitcaster, the podcast booking agency.
0: I had a podcast called the Denver Business Podcast maybe five or six years ago that was largely a founder's show. And Brandy was working in PR and pitched me one of her clients to be interviewed on the show, which went great. Brandy and I connected maybe after two or three of her clients had been... Um, On the podcast and you know Brandy is just an absolute wonderful networker and kind of instigator, you know So we're kind of getting breakfast and she's like, let's do something. What do you want to do? Let's do a project I was like, okay, that sounds cool. We figured podcasting is probably a good place to, to begin because largely that's that's how we had met So at the time, I was building a crowdfunding company for kind of blue collar service workers called Career Funded. And I dumped a bunch of money and time into it, um, kind of a lean and mean startup model. And it was just kind of floundering. So I was really hungry for like a, a new project. So we're like, okay, let's, let's figure out something in podcasting. Podcasting has lots of moving parts as you know. So we are figuring out ways we could be of service, but also to create a project that we could scale and that we could be the best in the world at because why else would you wanna do something if you can't be the best? So we came up with an idea for a podcast booking agency. Both of us had history and experience in the startup world. And so that seemed like a good ideal customer. Um, so we put together a pilot program, kind of set out to see if, you know, this would be a service people would be interested in. My experience with bringing ideas to life is to be really diligent with kind of the validation process. So I always start any project with a hundred phone calls. See what I learned, you know, before I fall in love with, a, with an idea and dedicate all my time and money to it, I, you know, I want to make sure it's got, it's going to have legs. This is three years ago. Brandy and I were talking. We really kind of fleshed out the offer. I called four of my clients and three of them bought it. I called Brandy and I was like really excited. I was like, hey, I think we got something here.
1: And Ryan's so good at validating. I think I could like see it, but it was hard for me to think about how we were going to put it in motion and to almost create a SaaS model around our service. We both come from the the service world, marketing agency, PR agency. So we were both very concerned with scope creep. So how can we create something that is packaged and, and it's a monthly service and, and we're delivering monthly on that service as we have promised. So it was really testing the waters and figuring out what made the most sense and then implementing the technology and systems to work most effectively.
0: So from that point, we wrapped a brand around it, really worked out the tools we were gonna implement the service with, and that following September, uh, we launched officially.
2: Tell me about the first version of your agency. I heard the word pilot program, so maybe that's it, or maybe it's the validation call. You take it where you want to, but the MVP, so to speak, of Kitcaster, how long did it take you to put together and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? That was a big one. It was. Because it's
0: like, once you commit to something, you're like, oh boy.
1: Now how are we gonna do it? Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What was appealing in the beginning is I was coming from software with that lean and mean idea like small team, big margins, and when we were talking about Kitcaster, or what would become Kitcaster, it became apparent very early on that the way you scale this business is with butts and seats. This is old school. We're going to create jobs. We're going to create a culture. As much as I'd been scared away from that with with you know the the rise of B two B SaaS, it sounded really welcoming. I think I was kind of like lonely. The idea of building a culture was really appealing.
1: As Ryan said, it's people. And we wanted to make sure that we were being very thoughtful in not only our approach internally, but externally. How are we presenting ourselves? We don't want 15 different team members reaching out to the same podcast. So how do we track all that information and make sure that it's organized and that we're not duplicating efforts and people are able to work efficiently and effectively and also figuring out, you know, the best way to connect with, with podcast hosts.
0: We set the task of like, okay, we know what we got to do. We're connecting top performers, startup founders with great podcast hosts. What's the tool to do it? early on we used Trello. I think what we saw early on is essentially our podcast agents are kind of sales guys and sales gals. Like they're pitching in this case a conversation and then either, you know, closed, won, closed lost or no response. So, finding tools that kind of worked in a sales capacity was where we started to lean towards and ultimately how we made decisions on the tools.
1: Knowing a little bit from my traditional PR background, working primarily with journalists and podcast hosts are kind of journalists, but, but it is a, it's a different beast. Do you consider yourself a journalist, Noah?
2: I I see the parallels, but I I don't consider myself a journalist. Maybe I am never been, never been called one.
1: You are. (laughs) And and that's the thing, you know, coming from that world where that's who you're interacting with, and it is essentially it's it's a long form form of journalism. So, uh, you know, just kind of figuring out what the best approach is, and systematizing, but also knowing that there's nuances to it all.
2: So, with with any first version of anything, right, you've got to make decisions and trade-offs. What you're going to start with, right, or and what you're going to delay. And it sounds like there was a lot of decisions and thought around people and coming from the traditional industry, but also a mindset of systems and SaaS. So so tell me about working through those decisions and, and how you cope with them in the early days.
1: Yeah, there's there's those two considerations and more and trying to figure out how to best build a culture and then making sure that people feel supported through technology. And also, are there gaps in what we do that we could develop a technology to, to support what we're doing? As Ryan said, we started out using Trello. We realized quickly that wasn't going to work for us we pivoted. We pivot pretty quickly. I would say that when, we, when we're when we testing something and it's not working and we've kind of turned it to each angle and it's still not working, we abandon and we find something that, that works better.
0: I think one of the strengths of Brandy and I's partnership is that we've been kind of entrepreneurs for, you know, 10 plus years. That is to say that all Kitcaster does is book entrepreneurs on podcasts, but that's not all we do. <laughs> We knew there's going to be opportunity for people be like, hey, will you produce our show? Will you book our podcast? Will you do this? Will you do that? And it's like, well, yeah, we certainly could do that. But now we're starting to dilute the brand and the clarity. What we've achieved by having the clarity of we only book entrepreneurs on podcasts is creating really strong relationships with other people in the podcast industry. We know that we can be the best in the world at booking. We don't want to dilute the brand
1: there's a big population of folks who want to be on podcasts, but maybe can't afford our services. So is there something that we could develop that those folks could come in, at least be represented almost like a LinkedIn platform, but for folks that are actually interested in being on podcasts and then podcast hosts being able to shop guests essentially without our involvement. So that's when we started the podcast guest list, which was kind of an offshoot of our service where people could come, we're driving hosts to that platform. They're looking at potential guests, and then they're making the connection directly.
0: So the the podcast guest list is an extension of kind of our mission to to not only be a service company, but to be a software company. And early on, we saw this opportunity of like, wow, could we do this without podcast agents? Could people go in there and book their own shows? And there's probably a half a dozen products that do that uh, to relative degrees of success. Our podcast guest list is still in beta. We haven't officially launched it, but it's interesting enough to keep percolating and keep developing to figure out a way that it would be ready for kind of a a launch. Um, In that case, what we would do is... Uh, create a unique brand it'd still be a Kitcaster uh, entity but it would stand alone on its own so it has also the same um, strength of clarity that the podcast guest list is what it is by itself it doesn't have any relation to Kitcaster so there's no um, kind of confusion there you know we kind of have a launch formula that we keep it in-house keep it close to us validate with the people that, we know, love and trust, and that will give us honest feedback and then kind of start working outwards um, to see if, you know, it's got, it's got
2: traction. I'm curious though. So you mentioned that there's a few flavors out there, right? For lack of a better way to say, there's a few flavors out there that does that. How are you building podcast guest list or whatever brand you end up calling it to be differentiated from those other marketplaces? That's the key. (laughs) We don't know. (laughs) The idea
0: is to find a differentiator. All the competitors in that space are basically like, anybody can show up and then you have a category and you try and match by categories. Kinda how we're thinking about it is like, maybe there needs to be a home for one category.
1: That's part of the validation is figuring out how we're gonna do things a little bit differently. Cause it is, it is is gonna have to take something unique, a, a unique offering or a unique lane that we end up sticking in that sets us apart from people that are already doing this and to make it successful and something beneficial you know part of the our agency side of things is that we've built trust with hosts they trust us they trust that we're going to be sending people that they know we've done our research and that these guests are going to align and be fantastic interviews but with the with the podcast guest list it's the unknown the the hosts are kind of going in a little blind looking at profiles and making a choice figuring out how to still to build that confidence in the hosts that we're working with that these folks are going to be also great interviews.
2: I very much value and appreciate the goal to maintain that trust because as a Kitcaster partner or and as a show who works with you guys often I, I very much can vouch for that in the quality of guests that you'd bring to the table. We're going to come back to the scaling factor of podcast guest lists, because I think it's going to be interesting, but I want to know how you go about building your team. What do you look for in the people that you bring on to Kitcaster to indicate that they are the winning horses to join you?
1: I would say like the common thread amongst everyone is, is the creativity piece. There's a lot of common characteristics amongst our team. Most everyone comes from a communications background, whether that be journalism, PR, creative writing. We have a lot of creatives on our team. And I think that that's a really important aspect to the characteristics of of the folks that, that we surround ourselves with. It takes some creativity at times to essentially sell a conversation a story and to to be able to tap into that whether it be creative writing or just a different way to tackle a challenge and also just everyone's just super self-motivated like i think that's something that ryan and i really made clear in the beginning is that we never want to be micromanaging anyone Everyone knows we're very clear on what the expectations are, and everyone takes care of themselves and exactly what needs to be done. And we have a very supportive culture, too. Everyone jumps in and and helps each other out.
0: The best thing that I've done for hiring is to take myself completely out of the whole system (laughs) process. I have the nasty habit of falling in love with anybody I'm talking to. You know, early on, I was involved in some of the interviews and I would be like, they're great. And Brandy would look at me like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, they're not. Okay.
1: (laughs) We have a director of operations and she's been with us since day one and she's just got the the magic touch when it comes to bringing people on to our team
0: yeah we rely really heavily on on katie and she's she's done really well we launched officially probably four months before COVID lockdown you know i think we have nineteen twenty employees now and a few contractors um so we've been hiring at a pretty good clip you know for a service-based business you know brandy and i both being parents might have been helpful Because, you know, like Brandy spoke to, we really wanted to create a nurturing environment for our staff, like a kind place to work. And, you know, I personally really care about how they feel and how they approach work, how they can leave work at work and what they do in their own time, like protecting that, you know, was important to us. Early on, I I think we were able to like kind of bring in our people and say, you know what? You're going to be safe here. We're going to work hard. We don't know what the future looks like, but because we're booking podcasts, it was kind of an opportune time where everybody went home and everybody turned on their mics. Early on, we're growing and we're all kind of terrified of the future and it was uh it was a little bit hard to feel good about what we were doing because there was so much suffering. But that slowly kind of is fading, you know, thankfully, that all that seems to be at least for now behind us until God only knows what, you know, next variants coming. Um, but I think the remnants of like uh, a nurturing and caring culture is still rooted in Kitcaster. And we can kind of build and grow upon that and see how our team also can facilitate that for each other.
2: Well, let's flip to scalability, then, you know, it's interesting to think about scalability in two different forms, the agency side, right, which is a different scalability problem versus podcast guest list, which is perhaps a little more technology based. But tell me about how you approached both of those or are approaching both of those and how you're sort of fighting this as you've grown and gained traction.
0: You know, if we're talking about scaling the service side, there's going to be other services that we can provide that are really become solutions for our clients. And it could be a problem because we want to be very secure that we do this one thing, but then, you know, we want to make sure that they're being held and taken care of so that we have other services to provide for them. And then we start spinning those out into their own brands. So scaling the agency, scaling service is always about making sure that the clients are getting what they want. And if we hear somebody tell us five times that this is what they want, we'll figure out a way that we can add that in a way that makes sense with our bottom line, but also our business model.
1: Being a new company, you don't have a lot of data and analytics to lean on. So figuring out what's normal, what's a normal month look like, what is a above average month look like, and what are our slow months, and then figuring out how to scale on the agency side. Now we have a couple years under our belt so we can kind of see some of those trends if they continue to stay true to what they are. So we have an understanding of kind of where we need to grow and who we need to bring onto the team. And in, in terms of additional products or the launches, we really, I mean, as Ryan was talking about before, when people come to us and they ask, hey, we started a podcast, can you find guests for our podcasts? Or I have these great interviews, what do I do with them? Do you guys create content? You know, we've had some PR agencies and other agencies reach out to us and they want to white label our services. And these were all the things that kept coming up continuously. So we've been we've been slowly launching beta brands around all of these things that people come to us and ask. You know, not only did we launch the podcast guest list and that was a need that people were like, would love to work with you all. I don't have the finances to do that at this point great we have a place for you now we have the content studio that we launched knowing that going on an interview is just phase 1 right and then how do you get those words out into the world so we we launched the content studio well, we still haven't officially launched it, but I guess the beta of it. So we've just been working with our clients and some podcast hosts and we'll repurpose essentially their their podcast interviews into social content, blog posts. And then we started a white label agency side to our business where we're working with agencies and we're, we're behind the scenes booking podcasts for their clients. So, you know, maybe they were, they just were unable to secure podcasts the way that we can. It's just kind of stepping outside of their normal workflow. So were able to come in and help them out on that front.
0: Early on in podcasting, it was important because podcast conversations kind of became a Trojan horse where I could go pick the brains of successful founders and see what they did right, but also hear, you know, what they did wrong. What's so exciting about Kitcaster is we do that all the time. You know, we have very, very successful software developers, app developers, game developers, AI, machine learning, blockchain, everything, you name it. One thing that we've kind of learned is building a dashboard and a platform where somebody has to go somewhere else and do some other things and communication is urging them to come back to this thing. That's a really hard thing to do. I have one client in mind, particularly where they're, you know, a gigantically popular uh, e-commerce platform that was built largely around hype, venture capital and strong marketing. So you're talking about like, let's say, a 10 million app download launch all this enthusiasm. You're 24 months away from that and you have 10 million people that downloaded the app and then it has about 100 people that still use it. So from a software perspective, when we're thinking about scaling an app, the, the idea of getting VC fund money and getting a big marketing campaign and launching it, isn't as appealing as figuring out a way that we can provide the solutions that we have on the, the platforms that people are already using. Recently, as I've been thinking about software solutions, I've been thinking about where are people are ready. You know, people are in SMS, people are in Gmail, people are on Zoom. There's tools that are already in there that all have app markets and how can we facilitate and do what we do, um, whether that's for Kitcaster services or maybe something beyond that in a podcast guest list type service to figure out a way to scale that will actually be sticky.
2: Well, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, Kitcaster, agency, tooling, all that you've built, what are you most proud of?
1: I'm most proud of our people. They're amazing. And we do, on Thursdays, we do a labs meeting, which is basically like bring new ideas. We have such great participation and such awesome ideas of people thinking about our business and just as we've been talking about, like what are some complimentary services? What are some products that might be complimentary? What's some technology? And people get really excited and they bring new ideas to the table and then they come up with a plan to test it out. And they know how we work. Like we're willing to test anything. We really are. Like you come with an idea, we will we will build it up and we will try it. So I am most proud of that. Like giving people the creative freedom to develop.
0: I think Brady and I both kind of approached that company culture from a place of human dignity. Like we really want to hire people that care and that have creative ability and just get out of their way. Last week we did kind of an annual party that we call KitCon, which is kind of a three day, we we fly in our guy from Pennsylvania and everyone comes and just do fun team building stuff, eat barbecue, go bowling, that kind of thing. And, And then a big meeting. I made the mistake of putting the the first card of our deck was gratitude. And like, I, I started to just thank the team and start tearing up immediately. And I look over at Brandy to like pass it to her and she starts tearing up and we're all getting choked up. It's the first deck of like a six hour meeting. I was like, oh no, how's this going to go? So I got out of there really quick. I was like, I'll, I'll thank you all later. I can't, I can't do this now. I feel really fortunate, both with Brandy, you know, she's amazing. Um, we have w- such a, a positive working relationship. It's I, I'm really grateful for that and really proud of the team that we have and creating opportunities for them to develop professionally has been like really satisfying. Well, let's flip
2: the script a little bit. So tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it.
1: Oh, well, we make mistakes every day. <laughs> we actually have a whole process for I mean you know we are handling so many different parts of booking folks on podcasts we're handled scheduling so you know how that goes I mean just being the host of your show and connecting with guests making sure everyone has the right technology making sure everyone's technology is working there's a lot that can happen you know I think there's a lot of companies that say this and we, we truly mean it like, we feel like there's no podcast emergency. At times, it can 100% feel that way if, if somebody can't connect. But whenever there's a, a problem, a mistake, the mistake could be on our end. We definitely own it. And we do everything that we can do to, to just make it right.
0: I can speak to a couple.
1: Yeah, go for <laughs> it.
0: When I really feel bad though is when it like affects other folks on our team. The mistake that I make continuously because at my heart and soul, I'm a sales guy. I'm going to go close those deals. So in the past, I've definitely seen some bright red flags of clients we're bringing on board that I probably should not have. Actually, I most certainly should not have because of whether it's like kind of mental health issues or who knows, a litany of problems, but a strength of having a very clear value add, but also like who our client is. We know our clients are funded startup founders, almost 90, 95%. If they're outside of that, like, okay, they're still interested. And then you start to see some like attributes of, of potential prospects that are not so savory. And the sales guy in me is like, ah, agents will be fine. They can deal with it. and then it it turns out to be exactly as i suspected in like a bad situation for them and then i feel really guilty that this client is torturing them because you know they have mental health problems that perhaps i I saw early on some of that minefield you gotta walk through just to make sure you can trust your intuition but also to to test it you know because that's the 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 problem with trusting your gut is you're like well maybe my butt my gut is crazy We better make sure I'm onto something here. Creating a a clear pathway to identify folks and a very gentle and polite way to remove ourselves from their equation has been, I think, a a solution that we've worked on for a couple of years. And I believe we're getting better at treating all of our clients, honoring them, understanding where, where they're at in their career path. Does it need to intersect where we are with our career path? So I think if I can get better with that and I can make sure that the decisions that I'm I'm making aren't going to negatively impact our team down the line, that I feel pretty good about making any other mistakes.
2: Well, this will be fun to ask. And and I'm curious you know, what the future looks like for Kitcaster, for your your podcast guest list, your tooling, you know, where what do you see is next for the product and for your team?
1: We will continue to grow on the agency side. I think our goal for this year, we aim to have 200 agency clients, which will bring our team up to about 30. As we do that, then supporting all the other ventures that we have percolating one of which is trying to figure out, I do think there's still a lot of advertising brand opportunity to be had in the world of podcasting outside of just the, the huge household name podcasts that get the the large endorsements and large advertising. But I think that there's a lot more space for, for that and then being able to figure out some analytics I mean, how we are approaching podcasting is yes, you have those big household name podcasts, but some of the more niche podcasts can be really fantastic for for any brand, for any executive founder, because you really get to the heart of what you're doing. You, usually, those niche podcasts have a better understanding of what it is you're bringing to the marketplace and can can hold that conversation a little bit more intelligently and also the people who are listening are listening for a reason because this, to- this particular topic interests them. But I would like to see more of that advertising getting funneled into some of those more niche podcasts where you have listeners who are interested in SaaS and scaling SaaS and, you know, different things that I think are important to a lot of technology brands who probably haven't necessarily, you know, the B2B world getting more into that um, advertising space. So I think that that's a, that's a place that I think Kitcaster might head in the next year
2: or so. That's very, very exciting. I, I have... Lots of thoughts on that that I'd love to share <laughs> I'm at sure some you point. Do. <laughs> I think speed and precision
0: uh, is always what I'm going to be most excited about. The check being patience, you know, always working on patience, but providing just enough pushback on the team to be encouraging them, but also not overwhelming. The other thing I'm really excited about for the rest of the year is getting closer to uh, our clients and just people in general's story. We're conversation people like you know you know like interviews and conversation is important and what we've also found from you know working with our clients is that the more they can kind of harmonize their past and really be able to pluck certain anecdotes and stories that will help endear them to an audience the better they perform and the better they feel about going on podcasts which which gets into kind of a more of a squishy kind of territory where you're talking about someone's story and how do you maybe kind of uh, uh, smooth the edges on, on some challenging times and be able to speak to that? How do you cut the humble bragging a little bit and be able to really stand behind something and be proud of it without being arrogant? And like there's a whole range and delta of like interesting emotions when you're using kind of podcasts as a medium. That's one thing Brandy and I've been working on and that we have set set aside some time in the next couple of months to really dive into like how can we provide a product that helps people communicate their
2: story better. So let's switch to you both individually. Who influences the way that you work? It could be a CEO, CTO, or really any person. I say CTO because I normally interview tech people, but it could be anybody, right? Name a person that you look up to and why.
1: Well, I'm going to let Ryan tap into the. He's very much process oriented. I would definitely say he's the CTO of the two of us. Like I see things as a, as a, like these this big picture, and then it's hard for me to kind of get down into the the details a bit. But I've had some people throughout my career, and and I think particularly like dealing with employees with a team that I have aspired to to kind of follow in their footsteps and I guess initially being a pretty small team and not really knowing the direction we were going and I'm a little bit of a control freak so it was hard for me not to want to control everyone especially when it's like three of us and it's easy and as you grow it becomes unmanageable. But I really looked to some of my mentors in the past of like thinking about how they let go and empowered people around them to make decisions, you know, to lift them up based on those decisions that they, that they made. I don't have anybody that I could point to specifically, but I think there's been a lot of people throughout my career that have demonstrated what a good leader looks like. And that's really what I'm, I'm trying to do every day.
0: You know, for me, Brandy Whalen is the one person I look <laughs> up to in my, you Brandy's great. She she may be a self-professed control freak, but she's very balanced and rooted. And I think it's it it really is a a nice play to me because I'm just all fire and hitting the gas. I'm just I'm a go person, so that's great. But I I think both Brandy and I, what's been kind of instrumental in our business is you know we're big fans of Gino Wickman, the whole traction kind of like methodology, and we'll revisit that quarterly and slowly implement a lot of his tools. In into our business. And I, I think that's done a really good job for kind of providing a scaffolding as, as we're like, you know, kind of bootstrapping this thing as far as we can go.
2: We talked about uh, mistakes earlier, right? But a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently? Or where would you consider taking a different approach?
1: I, I actually don't know as if I would do anything differently. I think we definitely stumbled in the beginning you know, we are testing it out. We were really just trying to make clients happy, not really sure how to do that or what we were doing. And it was a lot of missteps along the way. I think we, you know, probably some of our initial clients, we just, we mishandled because we just weren't sure what kind of communication was needed along that path. I, I would say that that's probably the one thing that I would have changed, but I, I don't think there's any way that we could have actually known what needed to be done until we kind of fell on our face and then pulled ourselves back up and said, okay, how could we do this better? Clearly we're we're missing something on the communication front here and we need to be in more constant communication than what we're doing right now. So there's really nothing. I think all of it, we haven't fallen that hard yet to make me want to completely change course altogether. I think everything we've done has been a really nice like baby fall and has been really the impetus to making the the changes in which needed to be made
0: the the one thing i would change you know we're a service-based startup bootstrapped so cash flow is number one priority for us at all times had i done the math a little bit better we would have started payroll on a 24-week payroll process as opposed to 26. so you know if you've Tasted the rude awakening of those three pay period months that hurts that's <laughs> Especially when you're you're you know as kind of like labor-intensive as we are so um, I think that's one thing where didn't see that one coming and that ended up being a pretty exorbitant cost that that took us a while to kind of recover from um, But we did and you know uh, It was okay, but that's something that stands out for sure that I would do different.
2: Well, last question, guys. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. They can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? Sell it before you build it. (laughs) (laughs) Start there. That's good.
1: (laughs) One of our clients actually talks about your Edison team being people that help push it to the finish line. So I think my piece of advice was make sure that you have a super solid Edison team around you that doesn't necessarily have the same skill sets that you do. And maybe take a real hard look at yourself and where are you deficient and who can you surround yourself with to lift those pieces up.
2: Both great pieces of advice. Well, Brandy, Ryan, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Kitcaster.
1: Thanks, Noah. Thanks for having us on. Thanks,
2: Noah. Appreciate it.